Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So we're identifying an area that's going to grow, not one that's already grown or one that's in the middle of its boom, but one that can grow in the future. But we're also identifying one that provides a cash flow that allows you to stay in the market until you get to that growth, just in case the growth doesn't come as soon as you would like. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyron Shum and in this episode of Property Investory, we continue the conversation with one of Australia's leading property experts, Margaret Lomas, about how to find the best properties and reduce your risk using her 20 must-ask questions and how Destiny's convenient online services can set you on the right path in your property investing journey. So, what held Lomas back from investing in property initially? We've always had a fierce desire to be independent financially. So, when you're faced with the fact that on one side of the coin, you must become financially secure and on the other side, you have an aversion to risk, there's a disconnect between those two sides that you've got to work out. Uh, And the way we worked that out is we sat down together and we talked about what each of us was prepared to do in terms of taking risk and where each of us needed to stop so that we could minimise the risk as well. And in doing that, we worked out that there were certain kinds of property that we would buy and certain kinds that we wouldn't buy. But we knew that in, in that choice, and for us the choice was to buy just standard residential property in areas that we knew would always be able to get a tenant of some kind, even if we had to drop the rent a little bit. Um, In making that decision, we also knew that what we were foregoing was the opportunity to maybe make a lot of money in a short period of time by being a bit more speculative and doing more speculative investments. So I, I think one of the things that you can't do is if you're like we were, which is needing to get financially secure but not wanting to take big risk, you also have to accept that what you're going to see in the future is plenty of things that did better than what you did or than what you invested in. And you can't sit there and think, oh, damn, I should have bought that I, I instead because your risk profile at the time dictates the steps that you're prepared to take and you've got to be able to look back on that and say, what I did then was appropriate for me at the time. In retrospect, many investors regret not purchasing properties during the boom period. However, Lomas's aversion to risk proved to protect her from biting off more than she could chew. You know, I didn't buy a lot in the Sydney boom. I, I am fortunate that I did buy two, but that was 
I would never have bought two in the Sydney in the Sydney market in the early part of my investing. They were way into my investing. Now I can look back now and think. Well, I advised everybody to buy in Blacktown because Blacktown led that boom. And I told everyone to buy in Seven Hills and I told everyone to buy in all those places and I didn't buy there myself. And people would think that that's the definition of stupid. I was going to say, why didn't you? Because at the time, the number of properties that I already had in my portfolio had used up all of my appetite for risk at that point in time. And I just didn't want to further leverage myself. I I had a certain amount of equity that was my comfort zone. So for my husband and I, our comfort level of of equity was that we owned 40%. And we'd agreed on that at the outset. Now, to buy into that Sydney boom, we would have had to compromise that 40% equity that we'd worked so hard to get to because initially we were at 20% when we did the first lot of investing. We worked really hard through debt reduction and through doing everything we could to reach that 40% level. To buy into before Sydney boomed, we would have had to compromise that and that would have been an uncomfortable position for both of us to be in. What would have happened if that hadn't turned out for us? So it's very important that you're aware of these things and that you understand that you might not always buy in to the very best thing and it might not be appropriate for you at the time. But as long as you identify and understand your own risk appetite but still push yourself within those parameters, then eventually you'll end up with a portfolio that does pretty well for you. One of her mentors, although not interested in property himself, has been instrumental in developing her positive mindset. One of my mentors, I guess, is Noel Whitaker. He's been a great friend of mine for quite a long time now. And for those of the listeners who haven't heard of Noel, all you need to do is look him up just to see what a fabulous background he has. He's probably been, he's probably the most well-known financial advisor in Australia who's, who wrote a book called Making Money Made Simple many years ago, and it was actually voted one of the top 100 most influential books of the 20th century, um, and he's done some fabulous things, and he's always been a little bit of a mentor to me. He doesn't invest in property, and we have wonderful debates about that because he hates property and says it's lousy. Um, but he, I can always win a debate with him in property and I have a lot of respect for Nolan and, and, and a bedroom in his house as well, just on the side, which is great when I go and visit them. Um, and so, you know, he, he, he has the most wonderful and lovely family and I must say that um, while Noel might not be there mentoring me all the time as such, any time I spend with Noel always gives me that real boost of motivation. It makes me realise why I'm doing all of this. It helps me to understand my own family values and it really gives me a good outlook on life. Um, You know, apart from that, it's been very hard to get mentors because I guess Ruben and I have always been, as I said, way ahead of ourselves and always jumping ahead. It is difficult to find a mentor under those circumstances, especially when you don't have a lot of time. So we do spend a fair amount of time bouncing off each other. Ruben runs Destiny, so he's the the managing director of Destiny. And while most people like to think that it's me, I definitely don't wear the pants in that business. Um, You know, I am the face and I am the property expert and Ruben would definitely accede to that. But in terms of running the company, he's the one who's always done that and he's the guy who has, you know, a lot of good ideas on how the business should be run and structured. 
As a result of her husband's structuring of the business, Lomas reveals that an exciting new phase is imminent for Destiny. It all started with Destiny as a property advisor company. Against the backdrop of the fact that if you think about it, Destiny really was that first company to ever offer, I guess, uh, property advice in a financial advising model. So prior to Destiny, if someone was a, a property company, they were a property seller really. So they'd be a a marketing agent for a developer or some kind of property seller. We made the decision very early on that what we wanted to do was we wanted to advise people how to buy property using both an economic and a financial planning approach. So in other words, take the focus away from the physical asset of a property and put it onto the economics of why you should buy and where you should buy. And we we wanted to provide that and we were the first people to provide that as opposed to providing that approach where you looked at the property itself. So we were the first people to begin doing that and we always promised ourselves and guaranteed our clients that we would never be on the other side and never sell property. If you think about it, somebody who advises on how you should buy property and what you should buy and then sells it to you is a major conflict of interest. So we always said we'd stay on one side and that would be the side of the client and we've always done that. And for many, many years, we were the only people who did that. But now it seems that every man and his dog has copied that Um, and everybody's doing education and everybody's doing support and everybody's charging way more than we charge at Destiny but still doing it. Um, Now, we then made the decision that, you know, there's a lot of um, additional costs in a business maintaining uh, premises all around the place. Uh, we found there became a bit of a declining demand for our services as people became more busy. Our services were very much around come to our office, meet with our advisors, come to all of our events. We would run what we called property action teams that people could join and work within a community of like-minded people to achieve their own goals while they're helping other people to achieve their goals. We did a lot of that kind of stuff, but we found that what was happening was that more and more people were sort of saying, well, you know, I can't commit to coming in every month. I can't, I can't come to those things. And the second thing that was happening as well is that as we got bigger, I was losing a lot of that personal involvement in our clients because I just didn't, I just couldn't get around to all the branches. I just couldn't have that involvement with our clients. So my husband started to look at it all and because he is a software programmer by nature um, and loves technology, and I do too, I might add, he started to think about ways that we could bring our services just as effectively into people's homes but not have them have to make that big commitment to go out on a Wednesday night after work or to actually go somewhere. With this in mind, they designed a way to reach out to their clients in a personalized way while adding a layer of convenience to the business. And so we've developed the new digital services and I must say they're just turning out fabulously well. So if someone comes to Destiny now, the first thing they do is go to our website and they get to actually view a presentation that I put together. I'm lucky lucky to own a TV studio so I can 
create some really good quality video. So I put together a proposal about our services that even includes a full disclosure on what we charge, which is very cheap, I might add. So people can go look at that and from there decide without feeling threatened if we're right for them or not. So decide without having someone in the room with them pressuring them to sign up. Uh, Yep, that sounds good for me or no, I don't want to have anything to do with that and therefore they can go ahead from there. And once they've done that, what happens is they get a whole range of things. They get all of their meetings done via a fabulous uh, web meeting tool that we've developed that after the first two minutes, you feel like you're in the room with that other person. So people say, well, I like face-to-face. It is face-to-face. You're just face-to-face over a computer. Uh, We can do screen sharing. We can do all sorts of things. Uh, The second thing that they get is every month I now run a webcast purely for our clients and every month it's something different. So we do, on the first month, we do a guest speaker. We've had some fabulous guest speaker and we've just done one on small developments actually, which was great. The next month we do a town spotlight where I'm telling my clients where they should be looking way before I release it to the general public and giving a good rundown on a couple of new areas. Uh, And then on the third one, we do my quarterly economic update and market update, property market update. And they happen every month. There is also a platform where clients can interact with one another and solve issues where needed. From this, it is evident that Destiny is leading the way for the future of property advising. Third thing that they get is they're involved in my cloud rooms where I run small groups of under 10. We all join in in a room on the cloud with me leading that group and they meet every month and work together to achieve all their property goals. So they share information, ideas, research and basically when you're working with nine other people, you're far more efficient at what you're doing and you're supported and you're motivated because other people are also buying and it's a great environment. Um, and, And all of our clients get the opportunity to be involved in those cloud rooms with me as the person running them. And then the last thing um, or the second last thing is Destiny Chatter, which is almost like a Facebook iteration where all clients get to come on and ask questions and and I come on to that all the time and we solve problems and we get everything that you can imagine um, happening in that. At the moment, for example, someone has a strata issue, someone else has a property manager issue and all the other clients are all jumping in and helping each other out. It's like a forum and it's really good. And then the last thing, of course, is Destiny Live, which is a fabulous property tracking and analysis tool that not only helps you to assess properties you're going to buy, but it completely tracks all of your personal and property financials. It produces and creates uh, tax schedules at the end of the year to save you money with your accountant. And it's got an advisor section where we can log in and look at all your stuff and communicate you via, with you via that advisor section and really keep on top of your financial circumstances to guide you. So so I know that's been a li- little bit of a long description, but it's a very exciting way for us to operate. It's brought me back to my clients and it's enabled me to share all of my expertise much more openly and widely and our clients so far are really loving it. Coming up after the break, we'll uncover the best advice Lomas has ever received in a property investing journey. You know, when one window closes, a door always opens somewhere else, even if it's a long time between the window closing and the door opening. How to reduce the risk of buying lemons with a strategy. Buy and hold but divest bad assets as soon as you can recognize them. And that's next. I'm Tyron Shump and you're listening to Property Investory. Property Investory. 
Hey podcast listeners, are you enjoying listening to these stories and want more? Then head over to propertyinvestory.com and subscribe to receive your free property case studies that I only send exclusively via email. Just one of the many benefits of being part of this community. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, their strategies and much more. Simply visit propertyinvestory.com to get your free case studies. Now back to the show. When considering the best advice she has ever received, her father's inspirational words have allowed her to tackle whatever obstacles she encounters in her journey. I've received so much advice over my life that it's very difficult to put my finger on what the best piece of advice. But I suppose many, many years ago, my father always encouraged me to believe in myself. And when the chips are down and when things are looking shaky and when I'm not sure whether or not I can do this thing, whatever the thing is I'm doing at the time, I always think about the fact that in the past, I've always made things work. And if things don't work, then I've found a way to come around from that and move on. You know, when one window closes, a door always opens somewhere else, even if it's a long time between the window closing and the door opening. So in believing in yourself, um, you know that you're going to handle whatever comes. I think what that does is it removes the fear of the future from you. And it's the fear of what may, may happen that holds many people back. I've always got an attitude that it doesn't matter what happens in the future, I would be able to deal with it in some way. If, as long as it doesn't kill me, then I'll be able to deal with it in some way. And so just having that belief that you can deal with whatever comes your way gives you a little bit more courage to, to take on whatever you're headed for. Lomas also shares with us the philosophy behind her property investing strategy, which has allowed her to build her portfolio over many years. Well, I believe in buy and hold. I don't mean buy and hold throughout a lemon property. So it's buy and hold, but divest bad assets as soon as you can recognize them, which I obviously learned from uh, my experience with that block of land. Um, So it is a buy and hold strategy, but also it is a strategy of understanding that the debate about whether you should buy a cash flow property or a growth property is really a moot one. Everybody should want to buy a property that delivers the best cash flow for the best growth that they can get. So when we're asking the 20 questions that I developed for every property investor, we're asking them with a view to being able to firstly identify an area that is going to grow in the future at some point in time and preferably in the shorter term. But if the med- if it happens in the medium term, then that's acceptable as well. So we're identifying an area that's going to grow, not one that's already grown or one that's in the middle of its boom, but one that can grow in the future. But we're also identifying one that provides a cash flow that allows you to stay in the market until you get to that growth, just in case the growth doesn't come as soon as you would like. So I really want people to understand that nobody can tell you when a property is going to grow, but with the right kind of research, you can identify if a property is likely to grow and reduce the the incidence of you buying a lemon. Talking through the steps of finding the best properties for your situation, Loma says that's important to locate an area which has the potential for growth. 
So the first thing is that finding a property is the last thing you do and it's finding an area that you do first and a lot of people ignore that. So what often happens is somebody sees a property that they think might be a good investment, they go back and do the research on the area and it stacks up okay, so they buy the property. And what they don't realise is that there could have been a better area somewhere else with almost the same property in it that would have been a better investment at the time. So starting with a property is a backwards way to begin. You've got to start with an area first. Identify the area that is going to take off next. Now, it's all very well to read the magazines, but if you do that, you're probably just going to be buying where everybody else is buying. I like to use the, some experts' um, hotspots as a guide for maybe a generalised area where I might start looking, but wave out from that and try to identify, you know, areas that haven't yet taken off that might be on the periphery of those hotspots. So an area is a suburb or a town. Um, You know, from time to time, there are times when a town in a regional area might be a suitable investment. And there has certainly been times in the past, and I think we're just about to see some more times over the next year or two where an investment in a regional area could be a good investment to make. Um, But essentially an area, I define an area really by local government area. And so when I look at the local government area, I try to then have a look at what suburbs are there and then assess which one out of all of those suburbs is the most likely to to grow next. Usually when you identify a local government area, you'll find that there's some uh, suburbs in that area that have already taken off. And you can tell that by having a look at, you know, the days on market and comparing the trends over that and see which ones are selling more quickly than others. But usually if a, if a suburb is in a local government area, it's going to be the recipient of whatever infrastructure development happens there. And it's also going to be an area that will take off once the more favoured areas become overpriced. So, you know, we often see in a local government area, we see the favoured areas and some people want to invest in those favoured areas, but I never want to invest in the favoured ones. I might not want to invest in the dodgiest area in that local government area, but I usually like to invest in the less favourable ones because I know that once the favoured areas get up there and start to become really pricey, people will start to wave out a little bit and they'll be prepared to take properties in the outlying areas and they'll then begin to grow. She outlines what to look for when researching the right areas and properties in her book, 20 Must Ask Questions for Every Property Investor. The reason why I even wrote the 20 questions book, and you can get the 20 questions, I'm sure, from the website somewhere, someone would have them up there somewhere, um, is because those 20 questions, are they, they make up the, the research. The first 11 questions are about the area and the second nine are when you get to property selection, the questions you have to, to ask about um, choosing the, the right property in that area. And so they encompass all of the things like how to find the employment data and how to read the employment data. Uh, what kind of infrastructure you need, what the demographics need to look like and include things like median household incomes and what you're looking for in those trends. The, the, the questions identify the trends that you're seeking and really help you to focus in on that research in a really targeted way so that you don't miss any of the important steps. Loma shares some of the investments she has made in development sites advising that if you're careful about what you buy, there can be great potential in that side of property. I think I've worked out that 
developments can be good or bad. I've got one going at the moment that isn't necessarily going to turn out the way I would like at a development site that I bought where I wasn't quick enough to develop it and the four that I thought I could build is now three because of a change to the town plan and again that's probably not going to be a viable investment. Um, I have another one that I bought a house with a with a big block of land that, that nobody knew whether it could be subdivided or not but I in the end got it subdivided um, by getting an out-of-policy decision by the council and that's made a lot of money for me, um, 400000 for the original house. After we chopped off the block, the original house was valued at five fifty. When even when it lost the the back block, uh, it's now worth nearly eight hundred thousand today, and we've only had it for four years. Um, and we built a second dwelling at the back, paid four hundred and fifty to build that dwelling, and it's valued at one point two million on a free block of land. So, so that was so I, I've worked out that two things can happen if you're careful about the development sites that you buy, you can make money from them um, in a way where you don't have to necessarily purchase an entire second dwelling, but you can get that second dwelling because you can get some free land. And I've also worked out that a town plan isn't necessarily 100% set in concrete. And if you can put up a good enough case to a council and hound them enough, you can often get things approved that, that are technically outside the development plan for the area. A personal habit which has contributed to her success, never get sick. My dad always taught me to have a very good work ethic and I have in turn taught that to my children. So one of the things that I can always recall my father doing is getting up every single morning and going to work and coming home every single night at dinner time. Um, now, he didn't work weekends and he didn't work nights and I am the same, although now I'm doing the occasional night for our cloud rooms. But apart from that, um, I've I've got not only a good work ethic, but I've got a good balance of work as well. Uh, family time is important. So, so for me, that work ethic has gotten me through all of the jobs I've ever had to do just by knowing that I've got to get up in the morning and I've got to go. I don't take sick days, um, mainly because I don't get sick, but I think I don't get sick because I've got a good work ethic so my brain doesn't let me get sick. And I think just having that good work ethic then applies across all facets of your life. If you um, have a good work ethic, then that ethic carries through to any activity that you're undertaking or any job that you've got and it carries through into your family as well. So, if you could speak to herself from 10 years ago, what would she say? I would say that life is going to get a lot better because 10 years ago, I had a lot of things going on in my personal life. Um, And so, I would say hang in there, which is what I did because things are going to get even more um, or even more wonderful. Uh, my children are all grown up and they've left home now and uh, many uh, parents hate that time. It's a wonderful time for me. A, I like having my own personal space back again, which I haven't had for a very long time. But B, I, I love the relationship that I have with my adult children and their families um, and it's a very exciting time. So, you know, I'm 57 now. At 47, I guess I might have feared approaching 60 uh, but I don't now because I'm enjoying the journey so much. Buying properties which have the potential for development in the future is an exciting prospect for Lomas. 
Well, one of the things that I've done with the last maybe seven or eight properties that I've bought is I've made sure that I've bought properties that potentially have development potential in them. So I bought properties that were good enough investments on their own, even if I did nothing else with them except just rent out the the house, but also had the opportunity to develop them in the future. Now, I've just come through doing two of them. So I've taken two duplexes, so that's four separate rentals altogether but it was two and two and I down in South Australia and I've uh, demolished them and turned them into four and four so I've just taken two old duplexes and turned each lot of duplexes into four new units Um, and that was actually quite exciting doing that and and there's a lot more of that now that I really want to do I've gained a lot of confidence through doing that I've decided to write a book along with Peter Kalithos about the journey the property development journey because nobody's written one yet and it needs to be written Um, so that'll be great guidance for people who want to do small property developments but I've got plenty more sites now that I can look at with the development eye and that's what I want to be doing for the next 10 years. If you'd like to connect with Lomas and learn more the best place is just to go to our website, destiny.com.au or even Facebook. You know, people ask me questions on my professional Facebook page, which is just Margaret Lomas all the time. And I try to get back to them as soon as I can. So the Facebook or, or our, our web page. But by all means, it would be great if everyone went and had a look at our web page and just took that time to have a look at the presentation uh, that I put up there under the What We Offer. Um, it's the What We Offer tab on my website because it's just worthwhile finding a little bit more about what we can do at Destiny. Thank you to Margaret Lomas, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you'd like to learn more and hear about her journey, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com. Simply type in the search bar Margaret Lomas and select that episode to learn more about her story. Also, if you haven't subscribed to receive your free property case studies, that I only send exclusively via email, you can text me your email address to 0499881040 to subscribe. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, the strategies and much more. Simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to get your free case studies. Thanks for listening.